right. Good morning. How are you guys doing? So how many of you guys like tacos? Okay, keep your hands up if you like teens. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to recruit some more. Okay. Um, how are you guys doing? It's been kind of a, uh, how's the fall kicking off? I hope you guys are doing okay. How many of you guys have already kind of, your, we're only like a couple of weeks into the fall, right? Into kind of our fall schedules. How many of you guys are feeling like already there's stuff kind of rolling up that you're going, oh boy, here we go. Anybody? Oh, come on. I've heard you talking in the lobby. I know you guys. You got stuff going on. How many of you guys, here's another way of asking. How many of you guys feel like you would be able, you could use a little bit of wisdom in some area of your life right now? Anybody? There we go. Okay. That's more like it. If you're online, if you would agree with that, just type in wisdom into the chat. You can uh, join us in this little, right? We could all use a little wisdom pretty much all the time, all the time for something. It may be, maybe it's a relationship, right? Because relationship, they take a little bit of insight every once in a while. Oh, come on. You guys are just sleeping. There's something wrong here, right? Uh, Maybe it's a decision that you have to make that's coming up. Some of you guys have the decision of, how to deal with the whole you know, vaccination of your children as they go to school. Some of you guys are dealing with your, your, your taking care of your aging parents. You have to take care of that. Some of you, it, it has to do with a, a, how, do you, how do you respond to a bully who's at school? Or maybe it's a bully who's at work, who happens to be your boss, right? And we, all of these situations, we're trying to find wisdom, Because we know that wisdom isn't theoretical. Wisdom isn't something that's out there that we just, wisdom happens in real life. That's where we need it. It helps us to navigate our lives so that we live the lives that God gave us, but we live them well. And all of us need wisdom. Well, today we're gonna be talking about wisdom. We're gonna be talking about it because we find in the book of James that James has something to say about wisdom. So let's begin. We're going to stand and listen to what God has to say about wisdom from his word. We're looking at James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. This is God's word. Who among you is wise or understanding? Let that one show it through their good behavior, deeds done in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. One of the things that can really mess up our lives as we try to live out wise lives, as we try to navigate wisely through the life that is before us, is when we try to mix two different types of wisdom. We try to take God's wisdom and the wisdom of this world, and we try to to work with them together. And we find out they're not the same thing, right? They're not the same thing. God has one standard for wisdom. It's his wisdom. That's the one standard. Often we're trying to mix it. Today, the message is titled, Double Standard. Father, we want to 
pray this morning that you would teach us your standard, that you show us that kind of clarity, with clarity, that focused, single, pure wisdom that you have for us. Father, we're all facing something in this, in this uh, life. We're all facing challenges and temptations and trials. They come at us. We don't have to look for them. They come at us. We stumble into them. Father, they're all around us. Every day has a variety of things that can, can rise up out of seemingly nowhere. And Father, in those moments, we need, we need wisdom. We need insight. We need understanding as to how to live our lives well. So Father, we pray that you would take this word... We would take your word, this, this seed of your word, and you'd plant it in our lives so that from that word and from that transformation that that word causes, you would bring about wisdom in our lives and we would see wisdom manifest through our lives so that no matter what pops up in front of us, we navigate through it well. And not just good for us, but Father, in a way that is honoring to you, a way that reflects Jesus a way that shows that, that grace and that beauty of your Holy Spirit who lives within us. So Father, we pray that you would fill us with your wisdom, that you would fill us with your wisdom through your word right now. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us and fill this place. Fill the places where any of us are who are listening right now. Fill that room that we are in so that we would hear your voice and no other. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. All right, have a seat. You know, in the Bible, there are two books in the Old Testament that are committed solely to wisdom, right? There's the book of Proverbs, and that one kind of makes sense. That's easy to remember because we think of wisdom, we think of little short sayings, you know, Proverbs, and, and so that one makes sense. The other one is Ecclesiastes. That one's a little harder because we have no idea what that word means, right? <laughs> and we don't, assume, but those two are the books. And they're filled with wisdom. And like I said, wisdom is for everyday life. So these are filled with wisdom for life. Proverbs 27.1 says, don't boast about tomorrow because you do not know what that day will bring. Pretty wise saying. Proverbs 14.12, there's a path that can seem right to a person, but that can end up, with, end up in death. Proverbs 18.12, pride comes before a fall. Some of these we've heard. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, and it goes on. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. says two are better than one because two get a better return for their labor, and it goes on. It ends up with, and you know what, a cord of three is not easily broken. Wisdom, just everyday wisdom. And usually that's what we think of when we think of wisdom, don't we? We think of this short, sagely saying, right, that sums up all of the, uh, the, the answer very succinctly. The answer to those big questions we have about life and it sums it up in a memorable way. Usually it's found on a poster, <laughs> right? But is that all there is to wisdom? Well, kind of. I mean, think about it. By the time you can, you can answer one of the big questions of life, and you can answer it in a short way that's memorable, by the time you got it down to that, you've probably wrestled with that thing for quite a while. You probably have some wisdom about it. Right? By the time you can really narrow it down and say, this is the question, this is the answer, you know some things. But what about those times when the short answers don't work? 
What about those times when you don't have the time, you don't have enough time? What about those, those times like those, those things we were talking about at the beginning of this message? What about those times when we don't have two years to wrestle out an answer so we can say it in a short, kind of pithy way and put it on a poster? What about those times when we need the wisdom right then in our lives because we have something right up in front of us? You know, we saw a couple of weeks ago that in the book of James, James is writing this letter to a group of people that they're facing some stuff. They're facing some stuff and it is imminent. They need some answers right now. They don't need two years down the road to be able to come up with a short way to give the answer to their question because some of them were, they were being, they were being harassed about their faith. Some of them were even being persecuted. Some of them were threatened with their livelihood. Some of them were even threatened with their lives. And they didn't need a short, easy to remember saying. They needed wisdom. They needed to know how to navigate through this part of their life. And for the most, of, most part, that's what we need, don't we? That's what we look for in real life. We look for those answers that will help us in that moment when we need it. So what is wisdom if it's not a pithy saying on a poster? You know, what is it? And where do we find that kind of real wisdom? Well, that's what James is talking about in chapter three. And so in chapter three of his letter, here's Jesus' brother, James, and he's writing to us and he's telling us that wisdom is actually something that is not simply written down. It's not something that's simply spoken. Wisdom, wisdom is watching how a life is lived out. It is a life that's lived well. That's where you truly see wisdom. And James says, there's, but James says, um, when we talk about wisdom, what we call wisdom, there's usually two types. There's God's wisdom, and then there's this thing called the wisdom of this world. And the way he describes it, he says it's earthly, it's natural, it doesn't come from above, it's demonic. We need to be careful with that. I think we need to take a look at it and say, what is this demonic wisdom? We need to recognize it because I don't think any of us want demonic wisdom at work in our lives. We're looking for God's wisdom. We're not looking for just the wisdom of this earth. We're looking for God's wisdom to help us through this life. And so we might, we, we look and we have to say, so what is this demonic, this earthly, this natural wisdom that he's talking about? And I think we're going to be surprised because I think we're going to be far more familiar with this kind of wisdom than we might want to admit. But what is this wisdom? Is it like witchcraft and seances? Is it like, is it like new age movement stuff and you know, getting crystals hanging? Is that what we're talking about? No. He says it's bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Wow. He says because where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Jealousy and selfish ambition. I mean, here's James, and he can, he can put down anything and, and say he could write down anything. What is the source of all the upheaval we see in our world? And this is what he chooses. Jealousy and selfish ambition. And I want you to, guys, I want you to think about this. Jealousy and selfish ambition. That's what makes our world go round, doesn't it? Jealousy. Jealousy, what is jealousy? Jealousy is wanting something that someone else has and you don't have it. That's jealousy. That's the, that is the basis of our economic system, isn't it? 
That supports the whole advertising industry that makes our free market just hum. Jealousy. It's, it's creating a need in someone for something that they don't actually need and then convincing them that everybody else has one. So in jealousy, they go out and they go, I gotta have that. And they go out and they buy it. That's jealousy. It says, what is bitterness? Bitterness, why is it called bitter jealousy? Well, it's called bitter jealousy. Bitterness, when you see it in the Bible, it's not just about that it makes us bitter inside. Even though pursuing all the things that the world throws at us is going to make your life miserable, but even worse is that it makes everybody around you miserable because you're constantly talking about it. You know, I just gotta have that new car. I have to have that, that new style of dress. I gotta have that new color of, of makeup. I gotta have that new set of golf clubs. I gotta have that thing. And you spend all your time talking about it to all these people around you and they're miserable listening to you. And you don't quit once you have it because then you wanna tell them how you got it. Jealousy just makes everybody bitter. The, the word pikra in Greek is this word, and it's kind of like, it, it's like a porcupine. It even sounds like a porcupine, doesn't it? It's just like, ah, it's bitter, poking. Ugh. Jealousy, selfish ambition, selfish ambition, wanting something for yourself at whatever the cost to others or whatever the cost to the relationship with them. Selfish ambition. That also is like the foundation of this world as we've come to know it, as we have come to describe it. Wasn't it Darwin who showed us and Nietzsche who drove it home that this is a dog-eat-dog -dog world, right? Where only the strong survive? That you, gotta, you have to grab hold of and keep for yourself because nobody else is watching after you, right? Selfish ambition. If you don't get it, nobody's gonna get it for you. Even in the Bible, how far back does this go? You go back to Genesis, and in one of the first, one of the first stories of human interaction, Cain kills Abel out of what? Out of jealousy and selfish ambition. He kills Abel. God comes up to him and he says, Cain, where's Abel? He goes, am I my brother's keeper? What's he saying? He's saying, am I really supposed to go through this life thinking about him instead of just about me? That's how far back it goes. It goes back to the beginning. Selfish ambition. And lest we think that we're above all that, let me ask us, not just you, us, some questions. Have we ever withheld some detail about an opportunity or a job or a competition from another person because we knew that if we told them everything, they might win. They might get that job. They might succeed in a way that we didn't get to. That's selfish ambition. Have we ever ripped into someone's character or motives or even just their appearance in order to get others to like us better? or to get them onto our side in an argument, or to get them onto our team, or into our faction on Facebook? Have we ever torn someone apart, even for the most self-righteous kind of reasons? That's selfish ambition. Have we ever taken a job, advancement, a promotion that was at a cost to our family, or a cost to coworkers, or 
cost us the ability to pursue something that we knew that God was calling us to pursue, either in our own life or the life of another, because that is selfish ambition. And that's the wisdom of this world. And you guys, we've all done this stuff, haven't we? We've all done this stuff. And it has caused disorder and disruption and dysfunction. And with it comes every evil thing. And that's the wisdom that the world has to offer us. Over against this, James places God's wisdom. And he says, God's wisdom looks like this. First, it's pure. And it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's reasonable, it's full of mercy and good fruits, it's unwavering, it's without hypocrisy. You know the hardest, the hardest one in that list to actually live out is that first one, is that pure one. Because when he says is pure, he's not talking about a moral purity. He's not talking about this ethical purity of our life. What he's talking about is that this wisdom has to come in an undiluted, a pure form, like pure water versus diluted water. And you go, well, what would that water be diluted with? Well, we tend to want to dilute God's wisdom with the wisdom of this world, right? But God has said, you know what? It's not my wisdom with a little bit of jealousy and selfish ambition mixed in. No, it's either all or it's not mine, right? That's what makes it so hard to live out God's wisdom because we constantly want to import kind of our our jealousy, our ideas, our plans into what God's calling us to do. He says, no. No, it's either all, all mine or it's, it's not my wisdom. So what is God's wisdom? Well, he says, it's pure, then it's peaceable. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's full of peace, defined by peace. And we go, well, that's great, but still, what does that mean? What does it mean to be full of peace? I think one of the things to understand what peaceable means is we need to understand that the Jewish understanding of peace was very different than our understanding of peace. The Jewish word shalom didn't just mean the absence of conflict. That's what we tend to think of when we think of peace. The Jewish sense of shalom was that your life was full, full in the way it was meant to be, full of goodness, full of grace, full of relationship. And so so that your relationships were solid, your, your finances were secure, your neighbors were your friends, your family was healthy, your, your stress level was low, you're on track with God, you're in line with what he intended for you, or you were aligned with, with him and with this creation that you are a part of. That was shalom. So he says it's peaceable. And that shalom... You know, in the last verse of this passage that we read earlier in James 3.18, James had written, he said, the seed whose fruit is righteousness. Now, righteousness is a word that means that we're living together with each other well. It's a community word. It's not just a personal righteousness. It's a, it's a justice between each other, okay? The, the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in shalom, peace, by those who make shalom, peace. And when he's talking about making peace, he's not just talking about, too, that you're making it in this kind of um, jealous or self, selfish ambition kind of a way. He's not talking about a self-centered kind of peace where you go to find peace. Jesus never said, blessed are the peace finders, right? <laughs> Instead, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. And that implies that you're not just making peace for yourself. You're making peace 
for others first. In fact, if you look at Philippians 2, it would say that these are the kind of things where you're seeking their needs to fulfill their needs first, and then you let God backfill into your needs. That's peaceable. That's God's wisdom. I don't know about you guys, that's tough. Amen? You guys are either in shock or you, come on. I mean, right? That's tough. Then James says, there's a whole list to follow, by the way. That's just the first one. Um, It's gentle. Gentle, and, and gentle, we need to know, it's not a wimpy word. It's not this like, oh, I'm a doormat to everybody else. You know, the best picture I've ever saw of um, what gentleness, when it talks about it in the Bible, a picture of gentleness was on the cover of a National Geographic magazine when I was a kid. And there was this huge man, huge man. His biceps were probably the size of both my thighs put together. And he's just, without a shirt on, he's just, and he's cradling this newborn baby. That's gentleness. Gentleness is when immense power is contained and controlled and directed for the care and the benefit of another. That's gentleness. God wants you to know you have immense power. And in Christ we have enormous power. But gentleness is when we constrain it, when we hold it back. Gentleness is when Jesus puts aside his power and his right He would have been in the right to just completely wipe humanity off the face of the earth when we sought to kill him. But he put that aside and instead laid down his life so that we would be saved. That's gentleness. He says God's wisdom is gentle, reasonable. Literally, this word means to be easily entreated, to be reasoned with. So if someone, if you have an offense of someone that they can easily come to your face and seek forgiveness, that they can seek reconciliation, it's willing to yield in an argument. You think you have a great point, but you're willing to yield. And why would you do that? The basis of this is what we might call empathy. It's where people in relationships, they actually take precedence over the issues or the facts of the matter, where you would easily put aside your judgment for the good of someone else. Do you hear a theme coming through this? Wisdom, for the good of someone else. For the good of someone else. Instead of selfish ambition, for the good of someone else. Full of mercy and good works, good fruits, good results that are worked towards their good. Unwavering so that you don't change in your pursuit of this character. You don't change in your pursuit of these ends and without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is where you show the same face no matter what the situation. You're the same person that shows up on Sunday morning as you are the person that shows up in, at work on, on Monday morning, same person who arrives home after a day of work on Monday night without hypocrisy. Pure. Wisdom of God. So here's the question we should be asking ourselves. So how are we doing with that? Uh, right? It's hard. It's tough. And I want to tell you something that 
even if we all sat in this room or we're at home and we're listening to this and we say, you know what? From this point forward, I'm going to resolve and all the intention in the world to start doing better, to start working harder at living out God's wisdom. You know what? We'd still fail. And we would fail especially because there's still one key that's missing. It's, it's like the key that unlocks our ability to live out this wisdom. And it's actually found in the first chapter of James in verses five through eight. James 1, 5 through 8. Listen to these words. If any of you lacks wisdom, that's what we're talking about. And he, he's writing to these people that are going into these hard times. He says, you know, you got challenges, you got hard times, you got trials and temptations that you're facing. If any of you lacks wisdom, if you, any of you lacks the, the knowledge and the insight to be able to actually navigate your life well, ask for it from God. That sounds easy enough who gives to all generously and without reproach, without, without hesitation, without counting up a tally to see if you deserve it or not, without, without any reservation, God will give it. And it will be given. But ask in faith without any doubting because the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. And that person ought not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded and unstable person in all their ways. So he says, if you lack wisdom in your life and you really need it, ask God. And he, without hesitation, will give it to you. Why? Because Actually, this verse, it says, ask the giving God. That's what he does. It is part of who he is. He's not holding back stuff to teach us a lesson. He's not holding back. He says, ask of the giving God. He's not holding back stuff because that's in his nature. No, he is the giving God. So ask of him and he'll give it to you. But he says this, but ask without doubting. That word doubting, it's an interesting word because what it means is that you have two things that you're looking at and you're not landing on either one of them, right? You have two desires that you're looking at and you're not landing on either one. You have two beliefs and you're not landing on either. You're kind of hovering in between. He says, if you're doubting, because faith lands, faith believes, locks in. But this doubting, it just kind of hovers, kind of goes back and forth. And he says, if you're doing that, don't expect to receive anything. Now, you go, how, how, do, how are we doubting? Well, let me ask you, when you go to God and you're asking him, you're asking him for wisdom, you're asking him to help you in some kind of a challenge, right? It, it can be anything, something that you're trying to do, something. Isn't it true that we often, we will try to get him to come with all his power and wisdom. You know, in Revelation, it says that God holds in his right hand, he holds power and wisdom and majesty and, and uh, I mean, authority, all these things, they're together. They're his to give. Now, we want all of that, but we want him to back our plan. Right? I got a good plan, God, come in. I don't want to hear your wisdom, really. I just want your stuff. That's hovering. Because there's God's plan, there's our plan. There's God's wisdom, there's our wisdom. And we're trying to go, can you kind of, can you dilute these? Can you mix them? Doesn't matter what we're asking for. 
It may be that we're asking him to help our football team to win the game today. Oh, oh, believe me, there are some people that, that matters today, right? That matters today, doesn't it? And we pray and we say, help our football team to win. It may be that we're trying to get him to help us to get that house that we want. We want that house. And we want it at a price that it may even, it may even hurt the person who's selling it, but that's what we want. So God, if you could just get everything lined up so that happens. It may be, it may be that we, we have a hurricane coming towards us, right? And all we think to pray is, God, turn it. Which means that it goes crashing into our neighbor. Because what that is, is that is, that's hovering. God's saying, I want you to learn about my wisdom, which is about the other and not about yourself. And we're hovering between those. We're saying, God, I want the power, I want the wisdom, but I want your wisdom, really. I want your wisdom to be mine. We're hovering between those two. How about this one? We're hovering between this one when we're praying to God and we say, God, I think you're the God that is good. I think you're the God that wants to bless me. I think you're the God that gives good things. But at the same time, we're thinking, but I think you might also be the God that's brought this nasty thing into my life. I think you might be the one that's behind it. So we're trying to draw near to him, but we're trying to pull away from him. That's hovering. Have you guys ever done that? I think we do. Because we haven't, we haven't really landed in faith on the fact that God says, I don't change. I give good things. There's a different source for all the evil in the world. There's a different source for all the brokenness that you're, I don't change. And even the tough times at times can be used for, for your good. I don't change. But we're in this hover mode of I gotta draw near God, but I gotta kind of stay away from him far enough. I, I, I want him to do his plans, but I really want him to do. We're hovering. And he says, if you're doing that, he says, don't ever expect that you're gonna get your prayers answered. Because he says the prayer is the prayer that asking faith without any doubting about what God is about, about what his, how good his answers are, about who he is, about what he's working in your life. Have no doubt, land on it. And he'll give you wisdom because he's a giving God. What James is telling us is that when it comes to real life, wisdom is not so much about insight into why something happened, right? It's not so much about, about what, what we need to do, what's our next step. It's not as much about that. Wisdom starts with knowing who, who it is we're dealing with, who it is we're talking to. Wisdom is knowing about who this God is and what's most important to him. Wisdom is this gift of God that will always come with his character, will always come with his power, will always reflect his, his wisdom, his insights, and his purposes. And if we want wisdom, he says, you have to first, you have to commit to that. You have to commit to the who in faith before you're going to get the direction of where am I supposed to go here? Amen? So how can we do that? How can we, let me get back to this. How, how many of you guys would say that you need a little wisdom in some area of your life? Right? Okay, so how, how do we do that? How do we do that? First of all, ask God for it. Ask God for it. In faith. So ask God for it in faith. 
But second, I, I have competition somewhere. <laughs> Sorry, Sue. It's just voices from the congregation. When you guys start talking back, it'll, it'll cover those things a little bit better. But First thing, ask God for it. And know that in faith that he will give it. He is a given God. Second, check your heart. Check your heart. Check your heart. If you find that jealousy and selfish ambition are driving this request that you have, if you find that that is involved in any of it, you might want to rethink your request, right? You might want to rethink what you're asking for. In fact, you might want to start a little bit more simply and go back and say, God, help me have wisdom to know what I should even be asking for. That might be a better prayer, right? So first, ask God, no question. God, I need wisdom. Second, check your heart. Make sure um, that the ambition, the selfish ambition and jealousy aren't a part of it. But then third, check your heart again. Check your heart again. And check your heart again to make sure that when you're asking, you're asking in faith and trust that you know who it is that you're talking to. That you, are you talking to the God of the Bible? Is that who you're having this conversation with? Is that who you believe you're talking to? The God who has said that he, he gives only good, that he seeks only what is good for your life, that he is the one that is all about saving you? Is that the God you're talking to? Is that the God that is giving you an answer, the God that has made you, who, who knows everything more than you? Because if that's the God you're talking to, you would probably, you'll trust his answer, won't you? You'll quit trying to find your own answers. You'll go with his, no matter how absurd they may sound. Think about these questions that I know that we ask God at times. God, how will forgiving that person and letting their offense go, that person that offended me, that broke me, that wounded me in some way, how will forgiving that person ever heal this heart that is broken because of that offense? That doesn't make sense. God says, that's my wisdom. God, God, how will generously pouring my resources and my time into a life of another, how will that ever, ever help me gain the security that I need for my own life? God, how can I trust you <laughs> to believe that you're working all things for good when the diagnosis I just received is terrifying? That's where we live, isn't it? Right? Those are the situations where we need and we seek God's wisdom. God says, will you ask for it? Will you check your own motives? But will you also, will you make sure that you're trusting me? That you're asking in faith. That I am the God that has always been. I will not change. And I will always be the God that will come alongside, that will bring you that wisdom that you ask for, that will help you to live out the very character that I lived out in front of you through my son, Jesus. We trust me. It says, quit holding up this double standard where you're trying to hit both. Aim for the one. Just hold on to God's wisdom, pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable. Amen? Amen.